What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always, always use your head. You are now listening to Chair Shot Radio. Always use your head. You are now listening to Chair Shot Radio, the midweek mainstay intro. This message will self destruct in five, four, three, two, one. Definitely only the first time he did that intro. Definitely. (laughs) Certainly didn't self-destruct the minute he opened his mouth. (laughs) No way. Absolutely. I hate you both. (laughs) Can't stand either one of you. Thank you. Nonetheless, (laughs) welcome to another episode of Chair Shot Radio. Midweek, the main week, midweek mainstay. This is Max's Max's fault for this nonsensical ass nickname we have for the show. It's head trauma. Head trauma. What they said. Clearly, you know it's your boy Rance, aka Ray Cash. And I I am with the sizable Itska. How you say the word? I'm with the sizable Itskologist. Uh, A.K.A. the Big Fish, <laughs> my boy, Mr. Mags. Uh, yes, that's the thing. That's what you call a person who is a marine biologist that studies fish. So, yes. And uh, I don't know if you have, I'm sure you heard the voice, but if you haven't recognized the voice, I brought my coda to my Kenny from the Outsider's Edge. I got the big homie Kyle Moores with us tonight. What's up, brother? Well, you know, the forbidden door is open, so I thought I'd just walk on in, and uh, I brought you some sparklers. Thank you. Thank you. We need all the sparklers we can get. So before we get even started, guys, how's it going? Mags, you, you, have you come down yet from UFC 259? Yeah, um, that, what a show. What a good show. I mean, Nunes, she may be the best fighter that's ever lived. Damn near, she's up there. Like it's that bad. What, nearly eighteen, eighteen months out, and comes and destroys Megan Anderson. I think Megan Anderson's actually been uh, cut from the UFC today as well. The best part about it was when they, when Joe Rogan interviewed her, she was like, "I just had a baby, so like yeah. it's about to get worse for y'all now." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, great show. Um, two surprising finishes, Peter Yan. With the crazy ass disqualification loss of his title to Aljamain Sterling, and I have to give credit where credit is due. I wasn't gonna talk about this, but I gotta give my man credit. Max, you were correct, sir. I was completely wrong. I went three young, and oh, three and oh in title matches. Three and young, oh. young Black, young uh, Blakovich basically beat the holy hell out of <laughs> Stylebender. And, but, uh, but that exact fact pissed me off for one particular reason. The commentary was so easy biased, it was unreal. 
if you listened to the commentary without knowing what was happening in the fight, you would think that Izzy was winning that fight hands down. And it was absolutely not the case. Uh, yeah, it was just so biased because Izzy's the, the marketable fighter. The fight versus Bones is the fight that, that Dana was pinning his hopes on. And and now it's been ended by by a, a very disciplined display by uh, Blahovich. Really disciplined. Popularity, Popularity. Mm-hmm. And no diss to Jan. But, like, now what we're going to get, Izzy versus Whitaker again? We've seen it. We've seen yeah. what happens. Uh, Black Blackowitch is gonna Maybe fight Reyes killed. again. Maybe. Um. No, Tashera probably. That's not. That's not a interesting fight to me. So like, oh, you know this. Me. I mean, it's a good. It's gonna be a good fight, but is it a marquee level fight? Um, it's not a bonds fight, uh, obviously. But is he could get the job done? You're right. No, you're right. Nobody. To, there's nobody to blame by Sonya. Um, but yes, it was a it was a good card all the way out. I actually spent money on it and bought it. Um, I bought something else that I was uh, the steam was let out of, or should I say? Uh... I mean, <laughs> let's just say that the finish was so lackluster that like Rance bought the show for both of us as a gift, and yesterday. I was just like, I need to PayPal Rance half, half the money. <laughs> like, damn. $25, totally worth. $50? Oh, hell no. This is a true story. So, okay, but, so... But your $25 paid for all that pyro at the end. That's what it was. Oh. If you'd have both bought it separately, we may have got a bigger show. Well, no. All we need to do is just not let Cody have his Superman interest every week. And we'll say that's that's half the pyro budget for the year. Kenny's in entrance had more pyro than the finish of the match. <laughs> oh my god! Randy okay, so... Orton, Randy Orton, breathing fire had more pyro than that fucking match. By the way, uh, Max, next week, I'm I'm saying it right here on air. We're going to break down the biggest feud in wrestling right now. Randy Orton versus Soldier Boy. Oh, God. Oh. I love gangster speak Randy Orton as well. He is a prophet. He thinks he's a G on Twitter. <laughs> that's, <laughs> be- the, that's the funniest part of the whole thing. Is like Randy, Randy is trying so hard. <laughs> he's a middle-aged white man. Trying to speak like he's from the streets. Not just a middle-aged white man. Not just a middle-aged white man. A middle-aged white man who was a Marine and is from St. Louis. Now, <laughs> our American listeners know what I'm saying. What I'm saying, this is a white dude from St. Louis. He's from Cardinals country. <laughs> now, I'll say, this, I'll say this in his defense. Nothing about him is gangster. But he got a gangster mentality. If you yeah, see the way he he's lived his life, he yeah, got a gangster mentality. I mean, uh, here's the here's the point to that. Here's proof positive to that. This motherfucker's reaction to all the soldier boy shit from the get go has been, "Yo, come through then. Yo, come through then. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Why don't you come through? We'll talk." <laughs> And Soldier keeps clapping back like, I'm about that fucking life. I'm about that fucking life. And Randy's like, I right, come show me. 
Come, Come show me that life. That is straight fucking gangster. I can't wait to talk. We, I'm, I'm bullshit. We're not going to talk. I mean, unless you want to, but that's the funniest shit in the world to me right now. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And Soldier Boy, I think it was I think it was yesterday, threw up how much he was worth against how much Randy was worth for it. That is the the shittiest he, flex known to man. It's a shitty flex, but I'm going to say two things about it. It's a shitty flex. I'm going to say two things about it. Soldier was right and wrong at the same time. He was right. He is worth more money than Randy Orton because people don't realize how many producer credits and shit Soldier has. That's number one. But he was wrong in his uh, insinuation that Randy ain't made millions because, like, he's a 14-time world champion and Vince pays his motherfucking people. I guarantee you Randy got a million-dollar downside. Guarantee you. He's one of two or three people on that company with a million-dollar downside. Randy's net worth is 11 mil. He's loaded. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Soldier Boy was right in the sense that, yeah, Soldier Boy is probably richer than Randy Orton because it only takes one hit song. And his hit song came back before, like, his hit song came back in the LimeWire generation. You had to illegally cut his shit. So, like, he made paper. But Randy Orton is also a very wealthy man. So, speaking of very wealthy men, uh, let's try to knock some of these topics out real quick. Um, so, we talked about UFC, and then, of course, Sunday was AEW Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody that doesn't fall into that category, I, uh, I bought the show. I watched the show live. I'd give the show, in totality, a B, B minus, maybe. It was not a, ba- it was not a bad show. Definitely wasn't a horrible show, but it will forever be remembered as a dud because their two biggest moments of the night failed horribly. First and off, I, before before we list the two big failures, not I would also say this about it: it was easily the worst pay per view they've done. Mm-hmm. It was easily the worst pay per view in the and and that's a very short list because this is a company that only runs four pay per views a year. But, like, if we're just keeping it a buck, this is easily the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen AEW put on. Yeah, And we bought all of them. Um, so the, the, first, the first mistake they made was over, they oversold and under-delivered on their Hall of Fame-worthy talent. I love Christian. Christian Cage is a better version than Christian in WWE ever was. Because mm-hmm. I'm a TNA mark from back in those days. Bring but back Tom Cohen. Give me the coalition. I'm saying, right? But Christian Cage was so hot that AJ Styles was his lackey. Lackey. And this but, was post and this was post AJ TNA champion. Like mm-hmm. yeah. he was still Christian's lackey. But I I just that's no offense to Christian, but that was not worthy of that spot. And you know, if it was a surprise, it would be different. But go ahead. Max. It, it was Tony and and Big Show over egging the pudding, um, making it out as if it, this was going to be a a, a world changing signing. When it was, unless it was Punk, unless it was Brock, it was never going to be uh, as as huge as they made it out. And that what really. 
comes down. Yeah, and what I've, I actually found more interesting was the fact they used a huge signing in Big Shaw to push the fact that they're signing somebody else around the same level in Christian. I mean, how how that just felt weird to me that you're bringing in a big name to come, to tell everyone you're bringing in a big name. I didn't get the the reasoning behind that, but. In, in in truth, Christian and Big Shaw two good talents for AEW. I can't be mad at it. Um, but yeah, it, it was made out to be way bigger than it was. No, they they are good. They are both good and valuable to AEW in a sense of rants. What is our number one criticism of AEW's matches on the edge? A lack of what? Oh, structure. They just do what they want. Yeah, there's a huge lack of structure and sound psychology. And if there are two people that I legitimately believe understand those two things in a nuanced way and are people that the kids in that locker room will listen to, it's Christian and Big Show. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know, it's sad to say that because they would be more likely to listen to Christian over Dean Malenko because they saw Christian wrestle. Exactly, because we've, we've reached a certain generational threshold. Like, even though Christian is thankfully, you know, finally medically cleared and he's going to get to do, you know, one last run as a big level name, blah, blah, blah. And he's in way better shape than Jericho, who never took a break. Um, But in in defense of both of them, these are both guys like Christian made his WWF debut in 1997. Mm hmm. Was a vampire for a little while. Jericho made his WCW debut in like 94. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, these are people, and Big Show debuted as the Giant in like 94, 95, Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. And so, like, these are people who were on TV when those younger performers in AEW's locker room were actually watching TV. Yeah. Because, like, you know, let's be real. Flying Brian Jr.'s on the roster. I think he's, what, 23, 24? He was born in, like, 97. Mm-hmm. MJF and Sammy Guevara were born in, like, WrestleMania 15 year. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. So, like, they, they, think of it, they think of, when they think tag team wrestling, they think of Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. When they well, think yeah. of super heavyweights, they think of Undertaker Kane and the Big Show. Like, that is their reference point. So, like, these are their legends. You know what? The the saddest part about the whole thing with Christian is, one, he is very deserving of adulation that he he didn't get, I don't think, from the IWC at least. And the biggest biggest addition of the night was kind of thrown under the rug. Ethan Page signed with them. Yeah, he did. I was so fucking stoked. That's a huge... Signing. Yeah, MJF was born in 1996. Christian debuted the next year. I'm looking up Sammy now. That's madness. That's madness. Sammy was 93. He's a little older. One one thing that really did grind me, though, about the the Christian Cage uh, introduction was they've gone down the Sting route yet again. Because what's been announced for for tonight's Dynamite, Christian Cage will speak. Christian will speak, and then next week he'll speak again. Then the week after he'll be seen backstage, and then he'll pay his taxes, he'll eat a bagel, all that kind of bullshit every single week. Yeah, it, that that annoys the hope, fuck out of me. 
I just hope that if he's going to speak tonight, um, yeah, spoiler, y'all, back the curtain, we're recording on Wednesday. <laughs> I just hope that if he's going to speak tonight, that, like, he doesn't give that cookie cutter, oh, well, it's not like that other company where I was held back promo. Like, <laughs> bro, you weren't held back. You've been literally on injured reserve for, like, a d- almost a decade. A decade. Yeah. Because on like, top of, you were hurt. On top of being a two-time world champion, like a ten-time tag team champ, like a four-time IC champ, ECW champion. I mean, yeah, but you, but but you were held back. Oh, well, and, I, and we're not saying that he's going to say that. I'm just saying I hope that's not the promo they have no, him right. deliver. Because right. a lot of times that's the promo they have them deliver, and it's like I would much rather you have him deliver the bloviating. I came here because I believe in AEW and what this company is, can be and what it stands for. And I'm going to make it must be yeah. television. Yeah, that's more, that's just as cookie cutter, but at least it's less like, it's less of the same bullshit that you've been having people speak for months now. Mm-hmm. And, less and, of the by all, and by all accounts, that's actually why he signed. Because he never gave WWE the, the option to sign him. If you if you if you're paying attention and, to the backstage, and I think some points. of that is well. I think some of that is because you know it, we've got to give Christian credit for the fact that Christian is smart. He knows how the company works. He knows what his role would have been. And we talked about when we talked about it when we talked about Big Show signing on the Edge the last time we were able to record. We talked about the fact that if a name like that signs with somebody else, it's not a matter of they got offered more money necessarily because these are people who are already set financially. These are people who are making moves because I want a certain role and mm-hmm. that is not the role you are willing to give me. Yeah, it's an absolute, and in Christian's case, I can see this being an I want to be in a, I want to be portrayed in a certain way I want to be considered a certain level of big deal that I don't necessarily think you're going to do. And so I'm going to go over here and make a little bit of money on the side. And then when I'm done, you can call me for that Hall of Fame bid. Because that's how we'll know that he's done. Yeah. And, and fair play to him for putting himself in the shot window by, a, uh, by appearing on the Royal Rumble. Absolutely, Absolutely fair play. Well, and yeah, giving us that great moment of him and Edge hugging it out, like, oh, that was so heartwarming. Yeah. Well, and, and, now, and now we know it's a goodbye rather than it's a, it's yep. a we're back together. Yeah. Oof. So that's one thing. So the other thing is, so look, I actually, I actually enjoyed the majority of the barbed wire exploding death match from hell. The basically the love letter to Atasha no, uh, um Tashi Onita. Mm-hmm. Like, I I actually enjoyed most of it. I know Kyle isn't a big fan of that in, at this stage in his life, and that's fine, and a lot of people aren't. I wanted to see the depths they would go to and to see, because uh, as Mags will tell you, Mags just did a deep dive into all those hardcore matches and FMW matches for Badlands mm-hmm. coming up soon. And I've seen some of those FMW exploding ring death matches. They get crazy. I've seen barbed wire massacres. They like I've, I saw Sabu literally tape up his bicep because it came like it popped out of his out of his skin. 
So, like, I just wanted to see how crazy they would go. It was really well done <laughs> for the majority of the match. Am I, don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I, I don't think it was ever going to live up to how the, the Japanese ones are because oh, them, no. them guys don't give a fuck. Uh, I, I watched a piranha death match where a bloke was put in a piranha tank with a then a board put over the top and the wrestlers leaning on the board and he had chunks ripped out of his chest he was absolutely eaten to bits so i I didn't think aw would go that far um but what they what they gave us was was really entertaining i enjoyed pretty much every minute of it apart from the last minute and well we get we get to that but i I do want to give the praise before I pull the rug from underneath them, because they deserve a lot of praise for what they were able to do in that match. They had one of the most clever false finishes I've ever seen in my history of watching wrestling. The Kenny hits Moxley with the one-winged angel, and if you if you know, most nobody kicks out of it. Most protected move in the industry. And Moxley doesn't kick out. His leg hits the ropes, and it explodes, and Kenny's blinded and has to mm-hmm. get off of the pin. It yep. is so clever. It was so clever. Even even the beatdown, they they took Onita's trick of having the barbed wire bat that explodes, hit Moxley in the face with that. Good Brothers come to help out. Uh, One-winged angel through the chair, pin one, two, three. We think, okay, well, the the ring's not going to explode because they finished before the 30 minutes. No. Apparently, the ring keeps, it doesn't turn off. Once it turns on, it's going to explode regardless. I don't know what's about to happen. You don't know what's about to happen. Kenny, Kenny and the Good Brothers start beating up Moxley even more. Don Callis comes in to say, get the hell out of here. It's going to explode. They start, they handcuff Moxley and beat him senseless to where he's quote-unquote unconscious, walk out the ring with like a minute left and start showing off to the crowd as Eddie Kingston, Butcher, and the Blade come out. You know the story of Eddie Kingston and Moxley if you've been paying attention to AEW over the past year. Fantastically told story between those two. Kingston, who is his one of his oldest friends legitimately and in kayfabe, goes to try to help him get out, realizes he can't get up, he's unconscious. Ten seconds go by, you see this man in the anguish in his face. This could have been one of the greatest wrestling moments of the year. And then poof. And they use the Dollar Tree fireworks special. They bought them fireworks on the side of I-4 on their way to the arena. Oh, the, the, the plumes of smoke got me. Um, just, <laughs> I've seen more smoke when I've pressed an asthma inhaler. It was yes. that bad. I smoke clouds from my weed. <laughs> And then you get Tony Schiavone trying to sell the explosion, jumps the gun, sells it again after the smoke comes out, and then the the line of the night for me, you can feel the heat up here at the commentary desk. And I'm like, get to fuck, Tony. There is no heat to feel. That is some bullshit. Eddie Kingston, the consummate professional that he is, is trying to sell this shit as legitimate. And he sold it like he was shot. Passed out. You know, in Mox's ear, he's going, the motherfuckers, what is this bullshit? (laughs) Uh, You know what they'd have been better off doing if they were going to skimp on the actual explosive budget? You know what they'd have been better off doing? Collapse the fucking ring. 
Yeah. Collapse I think the that fucking was, that, ring and do like I think a that was effect. the plan. I think that was the plan, and it failed. Well, let me say this. So you got uh, Tony Khan came out and said in kayfabe and and I guess blending reality in kayfabe. It was Kenny's fault. Kenny can't build a ring, and such and such and so on and so forth. That was the whole. Goal. It that could have worked if K if Kingston and Shivani didn't sell it like it was real. If Kingston would have popped his head up like that was it, that would have been great. And Kenny got him again. If you watch uh, or if you've seen the the footage that AEW tried their best to take down as soon as it dropped, uh, Moxley's That's kind of a, Moxley's like um, a promo at the end. Eddie's still down. Eddie's still down in the ring, selling like a selling like a three, champ. Three three reps and a, and a doctor are looking at Eddie Kingston while Moxley, who just went through the matches, up talking trash about the match. So what well, needs to happen? What needs to happen? On, on Dan Rat is Eddie is still selling it. Eddie needs to go full in on this as if this actually exploded. He needs to go in like all bandaged up, like arms and legs in traction, as if this was the worst thing that ever happened. Ham like, it up. Absolutely ham it up. Like what? like Foley in ninety six in WCW when he forgot who he was. <laughs> yeah, what, really what really got me about them taking those videos down. Listen, I am not gonna sit here and shit on a company for protecting copyright companies do that all the time that's not why it bothered me why it bothers me is aew stays throwing shade aew throws shade on the daily all day every day they got fresh shade they are ready to throw they can't wait to shit on fools can't Wait to shit on fools. Um, but the second anything negative is said about them or what they're doing, they tuck and run. They can't handle criticism at all. And it's glaring. What, what more annoyed me about this particular one, though, was they were selective in whose uh, content they were taking down. If the if the post was critical, bang, it was gone. If if it was from a, a an outlet that blows smoke up AEW's ass, it stayed. It was really, really kind of a. Um, they just tried to get as much benefit out of it as possible, and yeah, it, it was it was so sycophantic. It's unreal. Yeah, just really gross. Almost uh, as gross as that brass ring above the ring for the last. Oh. Jesus, how, how well, on well, the actually, no. no, no, the worst part of the ladder match, the worst part of the ladder match, Mags, did you notice this? Because once I noticed it, I couldn't unsee it. Once Cody does the injury angle and they take Cody to the back, the way that they were shooting the match from the camera angle, you could fucking see Arn and company standing at Gorilla, like looking out into the ring, just waiting for his return spot. You could mm -hmm. see it, and they kept cutting to the camera angle where you can just see Arn standing there at Gorilla, staring out into the ring. And I'm just like, what kind of cookie-cutter amateur shit is this? You're a nationally televised promotion, and this is one of your biggest pay-per-views. 
I mean, if we go back to the the main event uh, for a minute, they did the same thing there. Kenny, after the match, was cutting a a really vicious promo, uh, talking quietly into the camera, and you'd catch little bits of it, and then they cut to the Good Brothers pausing and two swinging, and it was that was so annoying. Me. I was like, I want to hear what Kenny has got to say there. He's cutting what could be potentially. A, a career-defining um, uh, promo here, and we get to see Carl uh, Anderson and Luke Gallows pissing about in the middle of the ring. But yeah, that that um, that brass ring—it was give it up with the fucking WWE shots. It's boring now. It's absolutely boring. And then you hear Jim Ross like as slating, reaching for the brass ring, as if that motherfucker's never said it in his life. He said it in the uh, in the wrestling documentary to the two kids uh, coming from the from uh, the the wrestling school. He says, "Reach for the brass ring." So it's one of his sayings, and he's there slating it because it's a a WWE trope. Oh, yeah, nice. You know my favorite part of the match. My favorite part of that match was that the crowd booed Cody because they were sick of his shit. Am I the only one? Am I the only one that heard that? I heard it. Yep, I heard it. Well, because you've you're sick of his shit is right. You've seen this play a million fucking times before. Cody comes out and he does the he cosplays as his dad. Cosplays as his dad. That's what he's fucking doing. Oh boy! So it was a hell of a night, and and it's it's sad because they actually had some. Uh, it had some good moments. The Sting match was better than I expected. Yeah, he actually looked better than I expected him. Look, he took some bumps, and I was the, terrified the, the whole time. The slow, look, the slow looks at cameras annoyed me. I mean, it, I know it was yeah. all for effect. Uh, the the one where uh, Darby uh, jumps off the off the balcony, and then he Sting really slowly looks over. As uh, yeah, you would if if that had really happened, you wouldn't be looking over as slow as possible. You'd be like, "What the fuck have you just done?" Uh, yeah, but so, it was bad. But he threw the bat, and Sting caught it. Like Sting can't catch the bat like that, bro. <laughs> yeah, and, but you know what? All all things all things considered. I think it's a B pay per view, but it's gonna be a. It's in the memories of fans. It's gonna be remembered as an F. Yeah. And and let me let me give you let me cite to you something very comparable. Hell in the Cell from a couple years ago when the Fiend fought Seth Rollins. That that pay per view was top to bottom, fantastic. But all everybody remembers is the way that fin- that thing finished, and and no con- and Hell in the Cell finished in a no contest, but Seth Rollins trying to murder a guy. And that's all anybody, and that led to Seth Rollins turning heel because the fans turned on him that night because yeah. it was so bad. It so. was so it, it it was for me it was like getting invested in a Netflix se- uh, season, and then the last episode is so full of twists and turns that it makes the last the the first nine absolutely redundant because all you remember is the ridiculous turn at the end, uh, and that's what this this uh, the legacy of this pay per view is. It's puffs of smoke and and one dollar uh, uh, sparklers strapped to the ring posts. Yeah, it just it began. It began pretty well, and it had a lot of really great moments. But like, it just fizzled in really important points and at really important ways. And it, that's what I'm going to remember the most about it. 
mm-hmm. when what I wanted to remember the most about it is that Ethan Page debuted and Hangman hugged it out with the Dark Order because like I'm just really into that. That, well, yeah, those are the good. Those are the, and Scorpio won the the, the match. You should have won. Scorpio won the ring. He grabbed brass ring, and Scorpio I, has such a fire theme song. Isn't his title match like today right. as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. well. If you, technically in kayfabe, it was last night, but you know, and that's um, if, and Darby. If Darby isn't fit to compete, he's going to be stripped of the title. Apparently, according to uh, no. Big TK. Bro, that's that's Peter Young, Algermaine Sterling. Is that real? <laughs> Is that really going to happen? Yeah, obviously okay. not. But as long as Sky gets <laughs> the right. belt, I don't care. As long as Sky gets the belt, I don't care how. Because like, I'm on record as just I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old for Darby Allen. I don't know. Something about him doesn't hit for me. Maybe it's the credible accusations of assault. That could be it. Um, with that being said, <laughs> we need to take a break and pay some bills because uh, there's no segue from that. So <laughs> we'll be back. Uh, and while you're while you're listening to these wonderful advertisers that that love to advertise this, go to pro slash the chair shot. Buy some stuff. We all got shirts. Go buy a shirt. Hashtag Jesus did the job. Hashtag, that's not a hashtag, but the hashtag is journalism. It's Ed shirt. Um, we got the original Corona shirt, not the virus, the the, the beer, and uh, other stuff. You'll find you'll find it interesting, and I think you'll like it. We'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, and welcome back to Chairshot Radio. My brothers, I would like to speak to you 
about one of my favorite wrestlers at the moment. May we speak about the wrestler, Apollo Cruz? I love everything about what he's doing, but I can't decide if the accent is inappropriate or not. Like his accent, not what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Like I, I, I I've heard like I've heard Res the promo. My accent, sir. I've heard the promo where he like explains why he's doing it, and I get all of that. But I still can't quite decide if it's still appropriation because like we're Americans and we suck. So I'll, I'll jump in here and I'll I'll give it back to you, Max. I feel where you're coming from. It would it would bother me if he legitimately was Nigerian. This it would bother from, me. He's yeah, from yeah. Sacramento. He was born well, in Sacramento. That don't mean shit. Because look, I'm closer to Nigeria than the yeah, <laughs> but, Apollo but, Crews. But, but, Meg, but Meg, you're also British, and like, given everything that we learned about Kate and the rest of the royal family this week, I feel like the English can. Take a lesson uh -oh. from the Americans on how to deal with racism. Very true. So, as a person who who is well versed in the Nigerian culture, I have tons of friends who are Nigerians. My boss is Nigerian. The one thing you My learn boss about Niger is Nigerian. Oh, well, there you go. The one thing you learn about Nigerians as a culture, Africans in general, especially West Africans, but Nigerians specifically, is whether you're born in Lagos, whether you're born in London, whether you're born in Sacramento, that's a Nigerian household. His mama and his daddy still, still speak like that. So I guarantee you, he didn't get his accent, the American accent, until he was about five or six. Because when he was a baby, he was speaking night like that. I guarantee you. So that's part of that's the part of it that doesn't make me feel bad about it. Um, also, you know, much like when Kofi played the the Jamaican character, he was playing a character. Apollo is playing a character based on his real life. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have a problem with that. Now it'd be different if Apollo all of a sudden pretended to be Chinese, right? You know what I'm saying? Something that's completely different from his from from his culture. Yeah, then, yeah I, I'm with you on that. When 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 Chavo Guerrero became Kerwin White, and if it's Ugh. not white, it's not right. Like, like that. Okay, Ugh. I'm with you on that. Um, but what a, more more than anything, what I love about it is I don't know if you guys saw the saw the interview he had. I think it was with Graves on um uh on a on a, uh, after the bell, but he he talked about how how um every time Cena would see him. He would pull him to the side and said, "Okay, who? Tell me who was Apollo Cruz." It was like, "I don't know what. You, what? Stop asking me. I don't know." What to, he would go out of his way to hide from John Cena so he wouldn't ask him that question. And he said he came to the realization, "I really don't know who I am in this business as a wrestler." And that's that conversation that we always have about these kids on the indies and these and going to the main roster. It's the reason why guys like Ricochet. The reason why guys like. The difference between a guy like Ricochet and the difference between a guy like Johnny Gargano. One knows who he is, the other doesn't. Like, you can't just always get by on your in-ring acumen. And for the first time in his career, Apollo Crews knows who he is, and you can see, he 
feels like a different wrestler right now. He walks with a different walk. He has a different look. He There's a different feeling when you see he believes in himself now. And it's a beautiful thing to see, whether if it takes one week, one month, one year, one decade, however long it takes when someone gets it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see them get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, I mean, um, the, the some of the best gimmicks or some of the best characters are, are always ones that have something for the wrestler to uh, to ingratiate themselves with. Um, and like I said, he's 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 a child with Nigerian parents. Yeah, he was born in America, but both his parents are a full blood Nigerian. So he'll uh, adopt to this way better than he would uh, Apollo Crews, which is a, uh, a character given to him by a, a group of writers or even by Vince McMahon. Um, and like I said, he didn't feel that. He didn't know what that character was. This one, I think he'll be able to embrace a lot better because in, it's something that he's he's lived. He's lived this person. I'd argue he already has embraced this one a lot better. Apollo Crews is more relevant now in the last three weeks. Well, really in the last month and a half, probably, since they've really started doing a lot of this character work with him. Um, but Apollo Crews has been more relevant in 2021 than he was in the entirety of his WWE tenure prior. Facts. So, oh, like, facts. I, I think he's already proving that he's taking to this gimmick better. And you see, and when you see guys like you see guys like Miro, who actually had a good showing Sunday, but has been floundering before that, and you see these guys that bet on themselves but don't have. There's something missing in the per, in the in the in the not the personality, but in the in the FTR whole process. FTR is another good example. FTR is another good example of that. They need they needed to hook up with Tully yeah. to. Mm-hmm give them that piece that they were missing. Because what they've been missing all along is it's not that they can't cut promos, but they're not engaging personalities. They needed a diabolical mastermind mouthpiece who's secretly pulling all of the strings to give them that extra oomph. And I I think they also needed the validation from um, someone old school like to uh, to to show them why they are the wrestlers that they are, why they looked at as uh, the, the same as the, the, the yeah, brain busters. Why they are considered the modern brain busters. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. That's I never thought about it like that, but they have always fancied themselves as these throwbacks. Well, they needed an actual throwback to validate that they're throwback. That's a great point. Um, but it's always good to see, like I'm hoping that we see Ricochet figure this out. Hopefully we see some of these guys that are languishing and floundering because they're missing that one thing. Like, I remember where I was when I saw Johnny get it. And when he well, got it, he got it. Well, you know, Chomper, when he got it, he got it. Some of these guys. Well, and an, even, an older, even an older example, I don't know if you guys watched The Bump this morning, but Hurricane Helms was on, and he was talking about how the hurricane became an actual character on the show and he was talking about how like you know yeah my name is my name is Gregory but my middle name is Shane I've always gone by Shane and I knew like you know this Gregory Helms thing wasn't gonna get me anywhere and I was talking to Stephanie McMahon before a production meeting one day and I was 
explaining to her what the hurricane was and what this cool idea was. And we go through the production meeting and blah, blah, blah. And all she had said after their meeting was, I'll run it by Vince and I'll let you know. And he's like, we went through our production meeting. And at the end of the production meeting, Vince came by and he was like, Hurricane Helms. I like it. And, and so, like, it's all about knowing yourself. The Rock talks all the time about how he was excited when they asked him if he wanted to turn heel. Because he's like, Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. This is what I need. And so, like, find that thing that makes you you and, like, gets us invested in it. Look at Billy Kay. Like, she, she doesn't even wrestle half the fucking time anymore. But damn, I love that headshot and resume. She's engaging. Every That's time I business. hear that music, I'm just excited. That's 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 the that's the business, man. It the business. I get it's it's sport based and it's physicality, but it still says entertainment at the end of it. Um, and so, if, if if I may, kind of pivot to the last thing we want to talk about. Are so, you journalisming? Yeah, the wrong show, wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to I do want to throw some shout outs real quick. Um, so with the Peacock migration, uh, WWE Network to Peacock, WrestleMania week has finally kind of been settled. So, mm-hmm. of course, WrestleMania is going to be on Saturday and Sunday, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, I believe, are the days. That Friday will be SmackDown. Will be SmackDown Live. That Wednesday and Thursday will be two. Well, you you guys saw it last night because we're this is Thursday. You're listening to this, but there's going to be two days of NXT Takeover. First night of Wednesday is going to be on USA Network. Second night is going to be on Peacock. Of course, Monday Night Raw. But that Tuesday is going to be the Hall of Fame. And not only are we going to have last year's Hall of Fame inductees get inducted, but we're going to have a whole new set of inductees this year. And the first person announced is one of the most deserving, not wrestlers. She's a deserving wrestler. One of the most deserving humans in the history of the business. And that's Nora Greenwood, a.k.a. Mighty Molly Holly. Much love, much respect, shout out, and congratulations to a well-deserved Hall of Fame bid. Mm-hmm. Molly Holly has been long been one of the pillars of women's wrestling, especially of that of the of her day. So she's done so much for so many people, and people don't even realize how long she's been in the game. She was one of Macho's Macho girls. Like she's been in the game for so long and did so much. And taught so many girls. Look at how Tegan Knox thinks about her and Bill, Billy oh, Kay and Peyton Royce and, and Bailey. Storyline, her Romeo and Juliet storyline oh, with Spike Dudley. Yes, it's it's. I'm just so I'm so happy for her, and I, I I'm so happy that the girls of that era are getting their due, since we've moved on to a much better era. Again, though, again, though, to kind of bring back a topic we were talking about a second ago, we have reached a generation of performers where their legends are different than your legends. You know, we are of a generation where, I mean, we're a little bit younger. So, like, our legends are Trish and Lita, obviously, and China, but like, we're also old enough that, like, our legends were Sonny and Miss Elizabeth and, um, you know, Sensational Sherry. Like, th- those were the big big names in women's wrestling. We remember Wendy Richter. <laughs> um, like, 
But match remembers Mula Mayong's first match. Well, and like you know, you guys brought up Tegan Knox. You guys brought up Tegan Knox. One of the things they showed on the bump today was Tegan's first time meeting Molly and how she was in tears because she was like, "You were the first woman I ever saw wrestle." Wow. You were the first woman I ever saw wrestle on TV. And you, you probably couldn't get any better than because at a time when wrestling was tits and ass, Molly stood out as a wrestler. Yep. And, and that's, you know, she is part of a group with Victoria and Jazz and Beth and Mickey, where I'm she just. She paid like, Beth through, through training without Beth even knowing. Well, yeah, and like just, but like she's part of that group of women where, like you said, Mags, you know, at a time when it was just bra and panties matches and slop matches and, you know, Terry Reynolds with her tits out. At a time when that was the norm and that was how they were handled, and like Deborah was one of the most well known women because literally all she did was stand on the apron and flash her tits. Um, Molly was an actual wrestler. Ivory was an actual wrestler. You know, Victoria, like, these were actual wrestlers who were just like, we're going to go out and we're going to have matches. And, you know, you said you brought up the uh, paying for Beth to go to school. My thing of, like, why is this a Hall of Famer and a Trailblazer? The women's title wasn't going to be on WrestleMania 20. The women's (laughs) title had no spot on the WrestleMania 20 card. And Molly went to Vince and was like, I'll shave my head if you put the women's title in the match. Mm-hmm. If you let so us have she, match, she went to I Vince w- and Stephanie for weeks. Yeah, for weeks, storyboarded yep. the whole uh, match yep. uh, to get to get this on the match. And when she finally uh, was allowed to be on the match and pick her opponent, she picked another amazing wrestler in in Victoria. Yeah, so much so. You know the whole the whole point about the Hall of Fame is appreciating people who have not only uh, entertained us and and had great accolades in wrestling, but have affected people. And Molly is definitely one of the people who's had accolades. She's a multi-time women's champion. Mm-hmm. Um, she's wrestled at multiple WrestleMania. She's had multiple big moments and big storylines. Um, but she also affected people. And speaking of affecting people. I would love to see Shaq Shaq Gaspard get put in with the Warrior Award this year. Um, And, you know, I I don't know if he did enough in his wrestling career to be put in just on GP of his career, but what he did for his son and by all accounts, the type of person he was, you know, that's what, I know Warrior is a piece of shit as a human, but that was the intent of the award, was to big up those who were unsung heroes and weren't main eventing manias like Hogan and Rock and Cena and Austin that deserved appreciation in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am I, I'm excited to see this. I hope it doesn't last ten hours. But hell, Peacock needs the Peacock needs the content. So if it's ten hours, oh well. Uh, but because uh, a little tidbit of information came out with the the migration um, uh, news that. The the whole of the WWE archive isn't even transitioning over. It's uh, going to be uh, at least till SummerSlam before they uh, get all the the archive over, and that's if it even happens at SummerSlam. 
as a desktop support tech and a and a system and server administrator, I can tell you that server migration of a small business takes weeks. <laughs> the server migration of the WWE network. I like I I have no idea how they got it just a few months. Keep it real. Yeah. So but that's this to be understood. It's a bummer because part of the allure of the network was being able to watch what you wanted when you wanted. But the beauty of it is you're paying less for the network because it's only five four or five ninety nine or whatever it is with commercials. And you got all the rest of the shit to watch. Go watch the office <laughs> for the fifteenth time. I mean, one thing that, that kind of stood out to me with that news was because it wasn't automatic migration, how many people are going to drop off? How many people have uh, have been, oh, yeah, I've still got the WWE Network. I haven't been watching it. Yeah, I'm not going to sign up to Peacock. Uh, I wonder if there's going to be any like, major drop-off in, in numbers transitioning over. Well, I'll tell you this. There may be, and that's a very legitimate question, but this is the time where the promoter needs to be a promoter and make these pay-per-views unmissable. Right now, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 37 seems like a missable show based on what we know. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of the car we don't know, but other than Sasha and Bailey and Roman and Edge, is any other match must-see right now that we that that is being alluded to? No. Now, they could pull some shit in the next three weeks and it could be one of the best cars of the year. We don't know. But this is... That's, think about the the bump Raw got this week for Bobby Lashley getting the championship. They got a bump. This is the time, and this is when your bookers and and your writers need to work their ass off to make these pay-per-views feel special. There's one thing AEW has over WWE is that even if the pay-per-view is shitty, it feels special because you don't see mm-hmm. it every fucking week. Yeah. You know, the fact that there's a pay-per-view three weeks before WrestleMania is asinine. Yeah, because WrestleMania don't feel interesting. No, you're you're absolutely right. So that's on them, and they lose some. View- they'll get them back by SummerSlam for sure. But we've all what have we always said for for years that the summer after WrestleMania go, until the build to SummerSlam is always the slow the slow part of the year. So maybe they're ready for that. Maybe this is vacation time for them. Maybe, or maybe it's WWE just sitting back on the laurels knowing that they've made uh, a billion dollar deal uh, and they don't have to uh, push it that much. Did WWE not try? They never do that. <laughs> never. Um, well, gents, uh, anything else you guys had on your mind you wanted to get out, get off your chest before we get out of here? I am good. I'm glad we got to talk about Molly Ali. I'm I'm so happy that yes. she's found him. I I I am as well. I am so glad we were able to give her some flowers and to talk about her. And uh, I'm just so happy for Molly. Molly's awesome. Yeah. Can, can you guys point me in the direction of some working sparklers? Maybe some black cats. Some some roaming candles. I mean, the only Roman I know, the only Roman I know of, sir, is my tribal chief. Long may he reign. Yeah. Um, by the way, just just for some news for y'all, y'all y'all heard Okada got like slip disc in his back, right? 
two slip discs and he he wrestled Shingo Takage with those damn slip discs and, and put on a banger of a match. Okada got two slip discs. Naito has Cheeto dust for knee for knees right now. <laughs> and uh Kota Ibushi has a Twix for a neck. Like, and this is the next five years of New Japan? Woo! Good luck. Uh, with that being said, Kyle, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, man. I get, for, so, for the record, I guess I can say on there, um, I've been a little overstretched personally. Uh, I'm working two jobs right now. I'm a host or co-host of four podcasts. I have two big-headed kids. Love them both very much. i got a lot going on. And so I'm trying to dial back a little bit. This is this this is the one show that because it's live, s, I try to continue to prioritize. But something had to fall by the wayside. So the edge is on a official quote unquote hiatus until Mania. We might pop one out every now and then. Um, but so I'm glad to get Kyle on here with us so we can get some edge esque quality to the good people. Um, but you know. I'll be back rare and ready to go after Mania with all the shows. And we even got some new shows we're working on you for you guys. Uh, maybe some, uh, some trivia. Oh, anyway, I said too much. Um, but so I just want you guys to know, we love you. We're here for you. And, uh, you always got chair shot radio. And even if I'm not here, you got the, you have the large, pescatarian here to have your back um and then of course i have a wonderful rotating cast of friends and brothers that can always fill in for me if i can't make it but expect to hear your boy um so we thank you for listening um kyle tell the good people where they can find you sir you can find me on twitter at dr s'more um, I am at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in Dollars. And Mags is at Fish R Us, uh, a.k.a. At Reencounter. <laughs> Tali, we love you. Um, DJ Kirkby, by the way. <laughs> um, shout out to Five Rounds. Shout out to Badlands. Support, support, support. Um, yeah. Anything else we want to go through before I get out of here? Nope. Just make sure that you always use your head. Which head you talking about? Any head. Technically, do fish have, are, are they called heads on fish? Yeah, fish heads. Can we just? <laughs> that was stupid. Can we? Can we say always <laughs> well, use fish. always use your gills? Well, if you breathe underwater, I suppose. I mean, but you're the you're the big fish. Always use your fucking gills. <laughs> ah, that's how you end the show. See y'all next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.